Welcome to the PCC Podcast, your place for CNS soundbites. Hi, I'm John Shelton, publisher of the Primary Care Companion for CNS Disorders. In this episode, I'll bring you up to date on the important peer-reviewed research and reviews from our latest issue. Let's get started. COVID-19 has affected most communities in the United States, and long-term care health settings are at very high risk of transmission due to close living quarters. This study reports the clinical characteristics and transmission rate of COVID-19 in a community inpatient long-term care psychiatric rehabilitation facility designed for persons with serious mental illness to provide insight into transmission and symptom patterns, emerging testing protocols, medical complications, and prognosis. This study examined a cohort of 54 residents of a long-term care psychiatric rehabilitation program from March to April 2020. Baseline demographics, clinical diagnoses, and vital signs were examined to look for statistical differences between positive versus negative severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus in two groups. During the early phase of the pandemic, the facility closely followed the local shelter-in-place order starting March 19, 2020, and symptom-based testing. The primary psychiatric diagnoses of the residents were schizoaffective disorder, schizophrenia, bipolar 1 disorder, and unspecified psychotic disorder. 40 of the 54 residents tested positive for COVID-19 with a doubling time of 3.9 days. There were no statistical differences between the positive and negative groups for age or race or ethnicity. Psychiatric and medical conditions were not significantly associated with contracting COVID-19 with the exception of obesity. Medical monitoring of vital signs and symptoms did not lead to earlier detection. All of the residents completely recovered, with the last resident no longer showing any symptoms 24 days from the index case. COVID-19 infection has rapid transmission in psychiatry long-term care settings, despite following shelter-in-place orders and symptom-based testing. Research is needed to determine optimal strategies for long-term care mental health settings that incorporate frequent testing and personal protective equipment use to prevent rapid transmission of COVID-19. This project was partially supported by the Quality Improvement Program at Sacramento Crestwood Behavioral Health. Non-adherence to pharmacotherapy for psychiatric conditions is associated with poor outcomes, including increased risk of relapse, increased healthcare costs, and reduced quality of life. This study investigated the strength of association between socioeconomic factors, race, ethnicity, and patient perceptions with medication adherence in individuals with depression. Within a large health system, Baseline surveys were sent to adult patients with a clinical diagnosis of depression. Approximately 1,200 patients who completed the survey and had used antidepressants in the last 12 months were recruited for the study. Perception of medication risk and adherence to medications were assessed. In the logistic regression model, 
less concern about medications and their side effects was associated with higher medication adherence. This association remained significant after adjustment for age, race, education level, and use of other medications or illicit substances. Moreover, patients with older age and lower education level, as well as those who were non-Hispanic white and did not use other medications or illicit substances, were more likely to be adherent to medications. Younger age, black race, and use of other medications or illicit substances were associated with lower rates of treatment adherence. This study contributes quantitative data on factors that impact treatment adherence. Identifying patients at increased risk of non-adherence, having discussion with patients early in the treatment process to understand their concerns regarding treatment options, being sensitive to cultural beliefs, and patiently proceeding with the decision-making process could help ensure better outcomes. This study was supported by a grant from Henry Ford Hospital. Early and higher detection rate of depression among dermatology patients can lead to better prognosis. Increased depression literacy among dermatologists might play a vital role in the early and successful detection and treatment of depression among their patients. The objective of this study was to investigate depression literacy among dermatologists working in India. An online survey with a questionnaire comprising sociodemographic variables and the Depression Literacy Questionnaire was conducted to collect data on depression literacy among dermatologists. Sociodemographic variables included age, sex, educational qualification, practice location, practice duration, and practice type. The response rate was 57%. Most of the respondents were aged 31 to 50 years, female, and working in an urban area. The results revealed good depression literacy status among dermatologists working in India. Female sex was associated with higher depression literacy. The authors maintained that future research should explore the practical aspects of depression screening, management, and referral among Indian dermatologists. Treatment outcomes are worse for bulimia nervosa in patients with type 1 diabetes than for conventional bulimia nervosa. This may be a consequence of late detection and subsequent management. The combination of these disorders has been referred to as diabulimia. However, this is not an official diagnosis and is a colloquial term used by service users and the media to describe the associated maladaptive pattern of compensatory behaviors. Early intervention is required to prevent short and longer-term complications with intensive treatment approaches having the best current evidence. Collaboration is required between specialist services for patients to receive optimal care. The authors of this issue's continuing medical education offering summarize the latest published evidence in the formulation, detection, and subsequent management of bulimia in type 1 diabetes while highlighting the need for higher quality research in the assessment and treatment of these comorbidities. Schizophrenia is a chronic psychotic disorder resulting in a substantial health, social, and economic burden across society. 
A large portion of patients with schizophrenia do not fully respond to antipsychotic treatments. Placing them at risk for relapse and non-adherence is a major risk factor for poor treatment outcomes. This large cross-sectional survey of 150 physicians and their patients collected data on adherence, treatment response, health-related quality of life, and work productivity and employment to better understand the burden of partial treatment response on patients, their caregivers, and healthcare resources. Of 1,489 patients included in the study, 59% were classified as responders to treatment, 29% were partial responders, and 8% were considered non-responders. Partial responders were less likely to be always adherent with their current treatment and reported more frequent side effects and poor efficacy compared to responders. It is uncertain whether lack of response drives reduced adherence or whether poor adherence leads to reduced response. However, it is well recognized that these two factors are associated. Partial response was associated with reduced health-related quality of life and quality of life satisfaction, an increase in work absences, and greater overall work and activity impairment, all of which lead to increased mortality, morbidity, and high economic cost to society in this patient group. Improved therapeutic approaches, either new therapies or optimized treatments, may improve adherence and response rates, subsequently improving outcomes and reducing burdens on schizophrenia patients and their caregivers. This study was funded by Merck Sharp and Dome Corporation, a subsidiary of Merck and Company, Inc. India is combating a large-scale migrant crisis in many states during the COVID-19 pandemic. Given the lack of qualitative research on this subject, the objective of this study was to explore the experiences and perceptions of migrant workers residing in a shelter home during lockdown due to COVID-19. This study was conducted with 54 migrants who were staying in a makeshift shelter home in India. Three discussions were conducted with groups consisting of 15 to 20 participants to maintain social distancing. Five discussion questions were designed to facilitate group discussion. Migrants were most concerned about how and when they would be able to return to their native homes, as well as pending agricultural-related work, their families, and job insecurity. Most of the migrants supported the government-mandated lockdown and agreed that they would follow all instructions as they feared contracting COVID-19. Physiologic requirements, safety, and security were the predominant needs of the migrant workers during their stay in the shelter home during lockdown. The results showed that empathetic listening is helpful to alleviate stress and engagement is easier when need-based interventions are provided. The authors also emphasized the crucial role of mental health professionals within the multidisciplinary teams. There is limited research on how admission to an inpatient psychiatric facility affects children's sleep. However, sleep disruptions are a common part of many conditions that lead to psychiatric admissions. The objective of this study was to examine demographic characteristics of patients who experience seclusion 
and restraint events in a pediatric psychiatric inpatient setting and to assess whether it's sleep time 24 hours before and after the occurrence of such an event was different from average sleep time during hospitalization. Charts from an acute inpatient child and adolescent psychiatric unit were reviewed. A total of 232 seclusion and restraint events occurred during the study period. Of the incidents, 172 involved children who were 12 years old or younger, and 178 incidents involved male patients. A paired sample t-test revealed a significant mean decrease in sleep time prior to seclusion and restraint compared to average sleep time during hospitalization. The study results reveal a statistically significant reduction in sleep time 24 hours prior to a seclusion and restraint event compared to average sleep duration during hospitalization. The association between sleep times and subsequent problem behaviors in an inpatient setting require further evaluation. Postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome hypermobility type are disorders that have a strong association and share a relationship with some mental illnesses. Both are commonly misdiagnosed as mental disorders, possibly because they share a similar phenomenology to some psychiatric conditions. There is limited awareness and recognition of postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which subsequently delays diagnosis. The presence of an underlying mental disorder can complicate the diagnosis and management of an already challenging case, which can cause further strain on patients and their loved ones. National support groups have been established to provide help during the stressful periods of diagnosis and adjustment. In this review article, the authors discuss the various mental disorders that have been linked to postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome and Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and highlight the need to screen for mental disorders in this patient group. Do any of your patients with schizophrenia receive more than one antipsychotic medication? Have you ever wondered why they are taking multiple medications? Have you been concerned that tapering and discontinuing unnecessary medications will be harmful to your patients? Have you been frustrated by attempts to discontinue antipsychotics and wish that there was a better strategy? If you have, then the case vignette and discussion presented in this issue's rounds in the general hospital should serve to enhance your understanding of the risks and benefits of polypharmacy and the strategies for tapering and discontinuing antipsychotics in those with schizophrenia. Please visit us online at primarycarecompanion.com to read articles and features related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Physicians on the front lines in the United States and around the world discuss the challenges faced by healthcare providers in a variety of settings, such as intensive care units, psychiatric wards, and community mental health centers. We feature a variety of case reports on topics such as the increased incidence of anxiety, panic disorder, mania, and psychosis in the general population, as well as face mask use, and cardiac concerns among psychiatric patients with COVID-19. 
One case series provides insight on the use of benzodiazepines for anxiety management in COVID-19 positive patients with tracheostomy. Physicians also report on outcomes with novel therapeutic approaches for treatment of COVID-19. We are constantly posting new material related to the pandemic to give you the most up-to-date and timely information. As an all-electronic journal, PCC has an unlimited amount of space in which to publish articles and features. We welcome ideas that any of you may bring to our attention, for we want to expand both the breadth and depth of our articles and specialty sections. Please take advantage of the open invitation to join many of your colleagues in submitting research to PCC. We also ask that you keep us abreast of trends you see in your practice and topics that would be interesting to explore. Thanks for joining me for this summary of offerings in our current issue of the Primary Care Companion for CNS Disorders. This is John Shelton signing off. I hope you will join me for the next installment of the PCC Podcast, Your Place for CNS Soundbites.